Hallelujah. Well, today I'm going to be sharing with you, God had given me bits and pieces, and until last night I didn't fully, fully know. Um, he's been giving me, um, I guess, kind of illumination, revelation of a certain scripture, but and I had bits and pieces of it, but last night I was just kind of pacing and walking around my house and worshiping God, and um, I was like, Lord, what is it? <laughs> what is it you want to speak on? And he said, tell them what love looks like. And so I'm going to endeavor to do that through his word and by looking at the life of Jesus, because he is love, right? God is love. And so let's go ahead and start off in John 8, 3 through 11. And the scriptures I'm going to use typically aren't used to say, this is love, you know, but God's showing us what love looks like. And so I'm not using your basic normal scriptures here. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses. It commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were using these questions as a trap in order to have a, a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to cast the stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, and the woman still standing there. Jesus, um, the woman was still standing there, and Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now, leave your life of sin. So what does love look like? Love does not condemn someone to hell for their sin. Love forgives sin. Love heals and delivers and sets free. Amen? Let's look at another passage in Luke 19, 5 through 10. And this is literally just like three passages but, I mean, if you look at the entire life of Jesus, this is what he went around doing. Um, in Luke 19, 5 through 10, when Jesus reached a certain spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, welcomed him gladly, and all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here, here and now I will give half my possessions to the poor. I have if I've cheated anyone, I will pay back four times the amount. The Lord didn't ask him to do this. Just, just this love that was shown to him caused a change in Zacchaeus' heart. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to your house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, this is what we need to understand, came to seek and to save those who are lost. Lost in what? In sin. And, and who of us can say that we are without sin? <laughs> but yet every day when we judge or we ridicule or we, or we condemn or we, um, or we push away people who are in sin, we do exactly what these Pharisees were doing, judging somebody when the love of God is what brings people to repentance. It's revealing Jesus to people that will help them see that he's the way. 
right? So love does not judge, but it welcomes and embraces the sinner. This is what Jesus showed us in his life. Matthew 9, 9 through 13, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciple and his disciples to his home to be his dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. For I have come and call not those who think they are righteous, but those who, are in, um, those who know that they are sinners. We got to think about this. When Jesus walked this earth, and why did God send Jesus, first of all? He came to seek to save those who were lost. And he came because God loved us as sinners so much that he sent him to die for our what? Our sin. So none of us are without need of a Savior. So who are we? And we are not to judge because he's the judge, right? And so um, talk about living edgy. If you look at the life of Jesus and you think about um, the situations he was put in constantly or he put himself in constantly, I believe the Lord, he said he only did and only said what he heard his father doing and saying. So the Lord instructed him to do these certain things, but I, I believe it, he, on purpose he was ruffling feathers, proving that he came to those who are lost, those who are in need of a Savior. And who is that? Those who are in, in, in deep in sin that need his love, that need his forgiveness. And, you know, when we as Christians walk in love, what should that look like? It should look like the love of Jesus. It should look like how he walked when he walked this earth. And that was embracing, loving, forgiving, and accepting the sinner. It's not our job to change them. Because we can try all we want to, to tell them what's right, what's wrong. It's our job to love them and let him change them. Amen. So Jesus, you don't see him secluding himself and only hanging out with the disciples. He brought his disciples among the sinners. He had accountability. He was with his disciples. And even when he sent his disciples out, he sent them out two by two. So there was accountability, but he sent them out to tell the good news. To who? To sinners. How are you going to tell a sinner about Jesus if you're not among sinners? You're not going to reach the lost inside church. We need to see what love looks like and make sure that we look like it. Make sure that we're showing the kind of love that Jesus showed us when he died for us upon the cross. Or that he showed the sinner when he walked this earth. So, you know, it's really interesting because I'm sure that with all of the holidays and things coming up, that many of us have family and friends that don't know the Lord, that we have an opportunity that we normally wouldn't, we wouldn't be with them, but we have an opportunity to be with them. Don't seclude yourself. Show the love of God. Let your light shine before men so that they may know 
our Father in heaven, how are they going to hear without a preacher? How are they going to know unless you show them? You know? And I'm not talking about showing them where they're sinning. I'm talking about just accepting, loving on them, showing God's love through you. I'm not talking about loving their sin, but I'm talking about loving the one who Jesus died for. By doing this, the word of God says, we will let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts. That, that the light will shine in the darkness. He tells us, let your light shine before men so that they may know my Father in heaven. But if we're not putting ourselves in a position to let it shine, how will they know? He who is without sin cast the first stone. He was talking to the believers. And, and, and that's where the problem is is we as believers shouldn't be the one judging, but we should be the ones loving. Look at the life of Jesus. I think that we have some growing to do. We have some growing to do and um, winning of souls to do. But how it's going to be done is by his love. Because he doesn't change, and that's exactly what he came to do, is show love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. Hallelujah. So we can see in the life of Jesus, everywhere he went, he went to the least of these. He went to the, the we'll say, the addicts. He went to the, the prostitutes. He went to the tax collectors. He went to the adulterers. He went to those who were not living with their husband, but they were with, um, you know, Somebody who wasn't even a husband, but they had five others before. Like, look at who Jesus ministered to. And it's really um, specific. It's, he's covering different grounds and different areas of sin to show that he died for them, that he loves them. So that we can see that, so that then we can accept that person if we see them or love that person the way Jesus loved them in the scriptures. In Matthew 25, 34 through 40, the king will say, and Jesus is teaching here, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done it for me. And, and do we realize that we're not doing it for our own good? We're doing it for him? We're doing it unto him? I think that we're, here's how we miss it. We're trying to love with our love. It's limited. 
But if you will ponder and meditate on Jesus and the love he had, I mean, he laid his life down for you and I when we were sinners sinning against him. If we will love and let his love pour through us, it's easier. Realize, and if you meditate on the scriptures, realize that he loves that sinner, even with that sin. And it's his love that brought Matthew. It's his love that brought the prostitute, and then she followed him. It's, it's his love that brought the woman at the well. It's his love that brought the tax collectors. It's his love that covered their sin. And so for us, and, and, and I'm not like pointing any fingers or anything like that, I, I feel like God, we're all growing in this area. But for us to judge is to say his love is not big enough. His love is not strong enough. His love is not wide enough, deep enough. But it is. Paul said he was the worst of sinners, yet we read the Gospels and we read the New Testament and we receive from it, but he was a murderer. But the blood of Jesus covered his sin. The old was past and the new had begun. So then, if a, if a believer is caught in sin, you know, or, 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 or stumbling around in sin, or even a sinner is in sin, for some reason, we as Christians will judge them, criticize them, gossip about them, reject them, stop hanging out with them, which is the opposite of what Jesus did. Obviously, use wisdom, ask the Lord for direction, and, and, and use accountability. Bring somebody with you. But Jesus didn't reject them. He loved them. He went to eat with them. He stayed in their home. And he didn't care what it looked like. He was with his disciples, but he didn't care that other people were, were coming against him because of the way he was showing his love. And God says this in his word. I mean, after he, he shows the way to love through his, his life and his demonstration, he says, let this love be in you. Let this love be in you. And I think we're probably all guilty at some point, and some of us are better at this than others. We need to get rid of the self-righteous stuff, thinking we're better than somebody else, because that's the Pharisees. And he says, to, to, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Don't worry. <laughs> There's a fine line here, but don't worry about where they're going to spend the money. Or don't worry about um, what they're going to do after you minister to them. Go ahead and sow the seed and minister to them. Go through McDonald's, whatever you need to do. Sow a seed, minister to them, and let God's love deal with them. Maybe that will get them to open up their hearts so, you can hear, so they can hear the gospel. Be led by the Spirit, because that's how Jesus lived his life. Let this love be in you. God wants his love abundant, working mightily in us as believers. It's supposed to be this, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you, in him, we live and we move and we have our being. What does that mean? That means you're walking around with God's love just pouring out of you to other people that are hurting, dying, sick, lost, and without hope 
and without Jesus. And if there is a believer that is struggling, what they need is help, prayer, hope, encouragement, and somebody to believe in them. It's not going to help them to knock them when they're down. We need to learn to let the love of God. In John 13, 34, Jesus said this to us, and it's a commandment. This new commandment I'm giving you today. Love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. Love each other. So what does that look like? Just as he has loved us. Well, he died for us even if we had sin. He died for us even before we got cleaned up. He laid his life down before we repented. Hallelujah. In Romans 5, 5, he says, Such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I don't know if we realize this or if we've just been so focused on our kind of love, human love, limited love. But we need to make an adjustment and realize Christ, with all his love, all his compassion is on the inside of us. And we need to focus on loving with his love. Not this human affection love, this, this flawed love. But we should focus on him and loving one another with his love. What would his, and sometimes we're challenged. Sometimes people can aggravate us, right? But how would, it's kind of like, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond in this situation? How would his love look in the situation? With the woman at the well, he did let her know some of her sin. But it was to bring her to repentance. So the motivation behind it was, come to me. And the Spirit of God doesn't want just us to be prophesying, giving words of knowledge, words of wisdom, healing, deliverance, for, to puff up our pride, to make us look better. The motivation and the gifts of the Spirit, I'll just say this, probably won't flow through you so mightily if your motivation isn't love. If your motivation isn't to bring them to God or bring them closer to God or to walk closer with the Lord. This love has already been poured into our hearts. We really don't have an excuse. When we received Jesus, we had his love poured into our hearts. So you can, it's a choice, you can love with the Father's love. He said, let this love work in you. Got to let it. And you got to choose to lay down your life, which means lay down your personal ideas of how they should be treated. Lay down your personal ideas of if or if not they should be forgiven. Got to lay it down because that's what Jesus did was lay down his life and love them the way the Father loves them. He deposited his love in you. So we do have what it takes to love one another. In Romans 8, 29 and 30, 
God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the onset to shape our lives of those who love him and belong, and this is, this is the message translation, but I just loved how, it, how he put it. Um, those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity, and he, um, in the line of humanity, he restored. And we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. That's what we're supposed to look like is Jesus. Our love is supposed to look like how Jesus' love looked. After God made that decision of what his children should look like, he followed it up by calling all people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis of himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Our lives, and I think that we need to realize this, we need to get this in our hearts Our lives are supposed to reflect Jesus. This is the treasure that we have in our earthen vessel. So that the excellency of the power of God might reside in us and work through us. But how it's going to be done, we see it in the life of Jesus. What caused the power of God to flow through him and heal a multitude of people? What? Love, compassion went out of him and healed them all. Love has to be the motivating factor. You cannot seek the power of God without having the love of God being shed abroad in your heart. It won't work. You've got to love the people. And you've got to realize that they needed a Savior just like you needed a Savior. Stop putting yourself on a higher plane. Jesus died for all of us. Without him, we'd all be lost. I feel like if we can get this into our hearts, there will be no one that we won't stop for. Because Jesus always stopped for the one. There's crowds thronging him. There was crowds wanting him. There was crowds needing from him. But his compassion and his love would stop for the one. And so often, that one was in need of a savior, a deliverer, someone to wash their sins away. Someone to strengthen them so that they could live right. Our lives are to reflect Jesus. In Romans 5, 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In John 15, 13, no one has ever, no one has greater love Or a stronger commitment than to lay down one's life for his friends. How does that look for us? I don't think he's just talking about us like dying like Jesus did. For some, maybe that might be the case one day. I don't know. But I believe that he's talking about dying to your own selfish ambition. 
dying to, to whether you think they deserve freedom, deliverance, healing, a savior. Putting your own agenda and your own ideas about it down and realizing Jesus' answer for them is, yes, I died for you. Yes, I'll heal you. Yes, I'll deliver you. In Ephesians, Paul prays for us believers. He's not praying for sinners. He's praying for us believers. That we would come to have the same epiphany and the same understanding that he came to know. And I believe what he's, he's helping us realize is this is how the power is going to flow. This is how transformation is going to happen in the people around you. Is if you will let the love of God shine through you. Realize there's nothing too big or too small for the blood of Jesus to cover. Ephesians 3, 16 through 21, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. I pray that you would be rooted and grounded and established in love. So what's the connection here? The power of God and love goes hand in hand. If you have confidence that God loves that person, there's not going to be a hesitancy in you holding you back from praying for them. But if you don't have confidence that God loves them, you will hold back. How many times have we held back? Why is that? Is it because God's love won't cover their sin? Is it not far enough reaching? We need to understand how big. This is what Paul's praying. And I pray that you'd be so rooted and established in love that you would have the power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide, how high, how deep the love of Christ is. That you would know this love that it, it, it's just mind-blowing. It surpasses knowledge. That you would be filled with the fullest measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't know about you, but you know, that portion of scripture, you know, I go I have gone around confessing, I thank you, Lord, I'm filled with the fullness of the, the power of Christ Jesus. The fullness of God resides in me. But does it? Because it doesn't unless I understand how high and how wide and how deep and how far his love reaches. Unless I have the love of Christ shining through me, not my own personal love, but because I know I'm flawed. I feel like other people love better than I do in, in, in the natural sense. Like, it takes them getting to know me. Claims I guess. <laughs> I feel like I was a I'm a little bit like my mom. I love people, okay? Don't get me wrong. I love people, but I'm a little bit down to business, right? I'm like... And what am I saying? My love is flawed. I work on my natural side to, to show love. But if I will just step over 
out of my natural side and let God's love, I won't be flawed. I won't be flawed. Now I'm serving him and looking at people with his heart. When I saw our brother, I forget his name. Linda and who's the other guy that she brought? You know Linda? Huh? Robert? Okay. So last Sunday he was crying. I saw the presence of God on him. In my heart, I don't know what he was going through or what God was doing. But I felt the heart, the love, and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he felt for the multitude. And that's how the power of God is released. To heal, to save, and to set free. Listen to this. And this is a passage we all want, but we got to realize it's incorporated with knowing his love, his depth, his width, his length. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we may ask or think. Now this is able to happen. Now he is able to do immeasurably more than we might ask or think according to the power of God that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church through, um, of Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is accessible to all generations. Not just to a few. Not just the disciples way back there. This is for us all. If we will let the love of God be shed abroad in our heart. If we will come. And this is why we want to pray this. This is why Paul prayed it for the believers I pray that you would come to know the depth, the width, the length, the height. How far reaching, even though it blows your mind, even though you can't even imagine that Jesus would die for that murder that's locked up. People who have prison ministries get it. That God's love is that far reaching. I saw a video, I sent it to Clayton, on this prison. I mean, this is a life prison. But these guys are so transformed. They're, they're going to stay in there for life. But they're so transformed because somebody loved them with the love of Christ so much that he brought the salvation message. And they are worshiping God. They're dancing. They're praising. They're... There, and then there was one guy who was like preaching and he's, I mean, they're wearing their outfit. But he's preaching. That's the love of God. Now unto him who is able to do so much more than our minds can comprehend. So much more than we could have asked or thought or imagined he could do. He can now do through you. How? If you will get it. How big his love is. Meditate on this passage. His love and his power reside in us because he poured it out when you received Jesus Christ. We read the scripture. He poured it into your heart. You have the ability to love. 
but we got to meditate on it, and we got to let this love, it's a permission thing, got to let this love be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Look at his life and think about what would Jesus do in this situation, because people are being ugly all the time. You always have an opportunity to do evil to those who do evil. But Jesus, he said, pray for those who persecute you and love your enemies. That's the life that we're supposed to be shadowing. That was the plan, that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters walking in the power of God. But the power of God is not released through a Christian who is being judgmental and persecuting other Christians. It wasn't until Paul was, was, he said he was the greatest sinner, but, but he was also a stickler for the word. And it wasn't until the love of God got shed abroad in his heart that the power of God went out of him. And he started teaching us through the word of God how to allow the power and the presence of God to rule and reign in your heart. Colossians 1.27, for God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. This is the secret that he was assigned to reveal. That Christ lives in you and gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. What's going to give him more glory than showing forth the love of God? What's going to give him more glory than bringing in crowds of people with you to heaven? A prophecy is not going to give him more glory than a salvation. But people aren't going to listen to you if you don't have love. People can see through it. If you're doing it to get a checkbox, you know, I did my deed for the day. Let God's love and compassion leads you. If somebody's standing out in a crowd, even in, in a church crowd, I can see it's kind of like God highlights somebody or they just like stick out or, or whatever. It's kind of like that in, in your day-to-day -day life at work for like Clayton or actually they just crowd around him. I go there with him and people just start coming up <laughs> and then un unloading and, and he has to stand there for, you know, 20 minutes and and share the love of Jesus. But some of us don't even have the patience to stop for the one. How do you think Jesus had so many healings and miracles? Because he always stopped for the one. He gave them, out of his love, the time of day. We're too busy. How are we going to see miracle signs and wonders if we're too busy to show them love? People were worth Jesus' time. The Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, it's my love that heals. It's my love that sets free and delivers. It's my love that saves. Nothing is separate from his love. It's not, it's not separate. Love and compassion went out of him and healed them all. He said, if you would let this love rule and reign in your heart and in your life, his power will flow through you. His power will flow through you. So maybe there's some adjustments we need to make in our hearts, but realize the love is already in there. It was shed abroad and, and poured into your heart. 
already. You just have to decide every day, as often as you have to, put down your flesh and, and, and your love and, and your <laughs> ideas of how someone should be loved. Put you down and let Christ live through you. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, he says, If you have not love, you're nothing. It's like you're of no use to me. <laughs> what good is it to have prophecies? What good is it to have tongues and interpretations? What good is it to have healings? What good is it if you have not love? So we'll read it in context. That's my interpretation on it. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but I do not love, I am an only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries and knowledge, and I have the faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not love, I gain nothing. Because and then he tells us what love should look like. Love is patient. Love is kind. Let me just stop there. If you can't love the one you're supposed to love in your own household, you got some work to do. How can you treat the one you love with a lack of patience and a lack of kindness and then go out there and love your enemy? You can't. You're going to have to start in your own house. Then move out. Sorry. Love. <laughs> we'll start there. And your spouse, more than anybody else, will know whether it's true or whether it's fake. Well, how do you do it? You're not loving with your love, remember. How does Christ love them? How does Christ look at them? How does Christ forgive them? Love with his love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Well, it almost sounds impossible, I'll just say, unless I'm letting his love. be the motivating factor, unless I'm letting his love take charge of my heart and my life. And if you think about it, can you imagine Jesus not walking in love, not walking in patience, kindness, um, keeping the records of the wrongs that were done, to, you know, with these different people? Not at all. Getting excited when you hear that someone's busted and, and they did this or that. No, Jesus didn't do that. His love reached the least of these. His love, he says, never fails. It will never fail. It will always be enough to cover the multitude of sins. He said, you must have my love at work within you to release my power. There's really, if you're not going to love with Jesus' love, you're going to be a false demonstration of his power. 
they're going to think healing doesn't work, that it's not for today. When it is. But the problem is the person releasing isn't releasing out of love. Look to the Lord. Does he want to heal them? Obviously he does. So look and release his love and his compassion when you pray for somebody. Lord, let your love be shed abroad in my heart as it was in Jesus should be our prayer. Hallelujah. If you're taking notes, why don't you write down Philippians 2, 1 through 13. He says, I'm just going to read a portion of it. If any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, valuing, valuing others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. That's love. And it goes on to say that Jesus came and fashioned himself as a servant, as a bum. He laid down his deity out of love and then laid down his life for people who didn't deserve it. How often have we thought, well, those people don't deserve forgiveness or love. Maybe you don't put it in those words, but they like, don't deserve your attention because they've done this, they've done that. But yet, that's exactly the time when Jesus gave his life for us. In 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, have fervent and unfailing love towards one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. It over, I like this, amplified. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. Love overlooks people's flaws and overlooks because you're looking at them through God's eyes, through the blood of Jesus. You're not looking with your own selfish thoughts or ideas. He says in Matthew 5, 43 through 45, You have heard, as it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is how Jesus lived. And he's telling us we are also to have this love and the same motivation in our hearts towards others as he had in his. He was to be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters who would let God's love pour out of them. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise and on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. There's not one higher than the other. His love is for everybody. And so he's telling us, this is how I love. It covers the righteous, the unrighteous, the sinner, the saint. It's for everyone. 
Hallelujah. If you're taking notes, 1 John 4, 7 through 21, God is love. He says, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that has been born of God knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So he's saying if you are not letting God's love pour through you, you're not of God. You're not letting God shine through you. You're not showing them the way. So we really need to pray over ourselves. (laughs) Especially when it comes to those in the household of faith even. If we can't love our brothers and sisters in the Lord, how can we love those who are sinners And it just kind of keeps coming to me. If I have not love, I am nothing. I am of no use to him because I'm not going to show the way to Jesus. So many of us probably have unsaved loved ones, and how are they going to see Jesus if they don't see him through you? They're not. So you need to be Jesus. Christ is in you. The hope for the world. So we need to study and show ourselves approved. Study the life of Jesus and see how he acted and reacted in situations. So that the Holy Spirit can bring it to your remembrance when you encounter a situation like that. Did he forgive? Did he heal them even though they were in sin and that's what caused it? Oh, they're dealing with that because they're in sin. James 5, 14 and 15 says, Call for the elders of the church. Pray in the prayer of faith, anointing them with oil, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've done any sin, it will be forgiven of them. He heals them and forgives them. And sets them free. That's his love. We need to know our God. And let his love shine through us. Amen. First Thessalonians 3.12 says, And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow as our love for you overflows. Let that be a prayer. Lord, let your love overflow through me. Let your love overflow through me. Let your love grow in me. Lord, I just pray that you would help me to let your love shine through me so that the world may see, so that the world may know. Hallelujah. I hope that uh, spoke to your hearts today. Praise you, Jesus. Let's just bow. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, for your for your word. Father, I just pray, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, let your love that was poured out into our hearts, let it be shed abroad. Let it be released from our hearts, Lord. Lord, when we have this inclination to want to yield to our flesh and show our kind of love or our kind of rejection or our kind of judgment, Lord, let your love overpower that. Help us, Lord, to, to recognize what you feel and your compassion for the people that you died for. Let your compassion and love, Lord, 
be at work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I just want to encourage you, when you pray for people, when you pray for people, which you should make it a regular habit, <laughs> but when you pray,